The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. You can help support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is Cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tier. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 or above level for the month of May. I Rebel, Jem McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, and Christopher Valenzi. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Yeah, Mike, so, you know, here in Toronto, finally, it seems like lockdown is ending and restaurants are reopening up, which has been very nice. The uh, the patios, we've seen lots of pictures on social media of people having drinks. You included, actually. I saw you having a beer last weekend. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's good to see the restaurants coming back. However, I do have a bone to pick with uh, with restaurants, specifically bars for the most part. Now, I've always had this problem ever since I was a child. Now, I do like French fries, but... Every bar, every restaurant has a different style of French fry. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like some places you go, it's the shoestring fry. Some places you go, it's the fat fry. Sometimes it's like the medium one. They're very crispy. Kind can of go like wedges. Burger. Yeah, can even get the uh, the waffle wedges if, if you're really crazy. That's a really crazy place. <laughs> now, my issue is when I see this on the menu, you know, burger, every sandwich comes with, comes with fries. That's great. Now, I want to see the fries that I'm getting. You know, like That's I don't want to be surprised because there are certain types of fries that I I don't I don't want, and I don't mean like sweet potato fries and baked potatoes or potato wedges, completely different. But everybody has like a different interpretation of French fries, and it just bothers me that I can't see what I'm gonna get until the plate comes to the table. I I'll even go to the point where sometimes I'll on the way in as we're being seated, I will try and see if I can see a French fry on a table. And if that's the type of fry I want, I will order it. Otherwise, I'll just swap it out for a salad or like a baked potato or something. It's true. You know what? That's a really good point, Neil. I don't think I've ever actually thought about it in that way. But <laughs> but you're right. You never really know what you're going to get because I've been trying to support some of the, the pubs and bars around our area during the pandemic because those usually aren't places that you take out from that's you know that those are sit down places mm-hmm. and there's been some that have these great fresh cut fries i love those thick fresh cut fries and there's been others that have these these sad you know excuses mm. for fries <laughs> mm-hmm. and, yeah. and i would love yeah like you said i would love to have can i have like like groupings you know we, we should make official fry groupings Yes, I, I think that that's definitely needed. We need to do like what we did with the strawberries. We need to do something like that with the fries where you have – I love the fat cut fry. I just like a big meaty fry. I don't know what it is about. I don't – like the shoestrings are okay. I like it when they're a little on the soft side. I'm not a huge fan of like really crispy fries, but uh, it, it's it's going to be a difficult time. And I wish that restaurants could have pivoted while they were in lockdown and put like a little poster when you first walk into the restaurant just to show you, here's the fries that we have. You know they have, be nice. they have like calorie types or like, or not, uh, calorie counts on, uh, on a lot of these uh, things now. So uh, now instead of that, they got to swap it out, put fry types, you know, mm, that's, yes, <laughs> that's what I need. Like I need, I just need photos, level of crispiness, perhaps amount that you're getting too. That's a huge part. That's a huge factor as well. I want to know how many. I'm getting always too many. Oh, really? Okay. I've, sometimes I've been like, oh, I, I could use a few more here. I find they just give you just whatever's left over and they just kind of throw yeah. it on your plate. And it's like, here you go. Especially, especially in takeout. 
Sure. I, I'm probably just going to the wrong places. I'll have to, I'll have to find the places where the 16-year-old is working and doesn't know how many scoops it takes. So I just throw in a few extras. Mike, this fits in very well with the topic that we received from Patreon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so and support us at the $5 or above level. Get to submit an opening topic for the show, just like Kirsten did today. Kirsten wants to know our favorite summertime snacks. Mike, we love snacks. We love food, obviously. Summer's okay. It, it's not my favorite season. It, it's up there though for sure it's up there but uh kirsten wants to know what our favorite summer snacks are now that we're getting into the warm weather what do you like to eat to keep you cool or do you like hot foods in the summer it depends really but uh great question thank you kirsten and i would probably say this is a, a an easy one a um a soft serve ice cream but specifically oh, sure. twist soft serve oh, yeah where you have, from an ice cream truck yes from an ice cream truck where you have the vanilla and the chocolate together oh so good Uh, timeless timeless and another one of mine which is a bit more out there would be big feet you know what i'm talking Mm. about big feet candy sure the red candy that looks like just a big foot Uh, for whatever reason i love those during the summer i think because i would eat those at baseball a lot neil yeah, you know what the crappy thing was? Where If you had a snack bar at a baseball diamond, which some of the diamonds did that we played at, remember they'd be like in this giant jar and they sold them for like five cents each or 10 cents each. Just give me a handful. Like yeah. I don't want to buy I don't want to buy big feet per piece, you know? <laughs> That's right. And, and and to go with candy as well, uh, the, the watermelon candies and then watermelon itself are, would, be my, would end for me there. I, I was going to say watermelon is a key, key factor in the summertime yes. uh, snack, snack tier. I remember that time that we, remember that time in high school, we went to the farmer's market and we split a watermelon. Like we bought one for a couple bucks. It was a, a rib fest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, the rib fest had the farmer's market attached to it and we didn't want to buy ribs or we did. And then we're like, what are we going to have with this? So we bought an entire watermelon. Great for yeah. washing your hands off as well, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm definitely in the same vein there with watermelon. Also, strawberries have to get a huge bump, uh, especially the Ontario strawberry, which will be ripening within about a month. Yeah, now. yeah. So, very exciting. I also have a very, uh, I'm very fond of the, in Canada here, we have Loblaws and their President's Choice chocolate chip cookies are real good. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I just have like- The decadent. Uh, there's something, yeah, the decadent, of course. I just remember my mom would pack those when we'd go to the pool and they sit <laughs> in a backpack for like two hours and they warm up really nicely. <laughs> And I associate that with, oh, so nice with summer, especially. And of course, the nest tea, iced tea. As a child, I drank snack. That's not a snack. Not a snack, but I'll give it a bump. Accompanying a snack. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like their ads are so summery, though. You know, you got the guy falling backwards into a pool. And I just associate uh, nest tea with summer. And drinking drinking that with you in the basement after we've played outside, uh, go in and play some night fire, drinking iced tea. As I grew up, though, it kind of changed to I, I like just regular tea in the summertime. Same. Like my my girlfriend's like, it's 30 degrees outside and you're making tea. I'm like, yep. Oh, oh, like hot tea. Oh, I was going to say I like regular iced tea, but but uh, I see what you're saying. You like regular hot tea in the summer. I'll drink. I drink a hot, our first date. I ordered a hot tea uh, first of August. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, man, you, you know, remember that time? It's like, who orders tea at a, at a movie theater? I'm like, I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but th- those are my summertime treats. I have to give a shout out to all those foods, especially. Nice. Very good. Very good. Thank you, Kirsten, for writing in for that. And uh, we encourage anyone else who is a patron to write in some opening topics. We've had a lot of fun doing them so far, and we can't wait to do more. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this next topic, which is not from Patreon, this one is something that we have to talk about since everyone in the games industry is talking about this week. E3 is upon us. This is E3 week, the Super Bowl for nerds. Basically, every single video game of the year is being announced. We're getting trailers. We're getting new games announced. Games that we've known about for years are getting updated trailers, which is very fun. Nintendo put out their E3 press conference this week, and of course, just like everyone else in the games industry, we will be covering it in fairly good detail. Mm-hmm. We're going to go over the games that uh, that interested us, that surprised us. But before we do that, Mike, I just want to go back real quick to episode 49 of our podcast. We actually did a few uh, we did a few predictions to to see what Nintendo would be oh, announcing yeah. <laughs> this year. So just real quick, going over it, Neil, myself, I said uh, N64. 64 and GameCube games will be added to the Switch online service. We'll get a Star Fox game and a Donkey Kong Switch game. I also predicted that Skyward Sword and Splatoon 3 will get deeper dives. Xbox Game Pass will come to Switch and the conference will end with a trailer for Metroid Prime 4. And you said there will be a full back catalog of Nintendo's library available to play uh, on l- Switch. Let's just let's just clarify that these were our our, you know, crazy predictions that sure. uh, yes, we were asked that, by Patron Jed who uh... <laughs> That's true. I bundled them together. We did have a mix of wildest dreams predictions and realistic predictions so you wanted a full back catalog of nintendo's library available to play wild dream on switch anytime you wanted uh zelda breath of the wild 2 will release this year master chief will be added to smash you also thought there'd be more news on metroid prime 4 as well as a breath of the wild trailer and maybe gameplay as well as mario kart 9 we suck we missed that hard <laughs> oh yeah we missed all of them there yeah i mean spoiler alert none of those things happened there was some breath of the wild uh two footage announced today which was very exciting so let's just go through the conference uh piece by piece we'll stop at any parts that uh that were fun for us and we'll just kind of skip over the ones that didn't matter uh, much to us does that sound good yeah yeah All right, sweet. So we start with a new character announcement for Smash Bros, a Tekken character by the name of Kazuya. 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 Sorry, I am not a Tekken player. I'm very sorry. But uh, this was a pretty good announcement. I was somewhat, uh, I was very excited about this one. Yeah, I I was excited just because I like new reps and new franchises, from new franchises. So I think this was a... Uh, an interesting pick. Uh, I know a lot of people were waiting for Tekken Rep for a long time now, so it's mm-hmm. uh, it's about time, I guess. We're, I'm not really a Tekken player either, so I don't I don't have that much of an affinity for it. Me neither. Our friend John said it really well. Uh, by we have our uh, private group chat, and uh, he just said, you know, the feeling when all the cool characters are are already in Smash, so it's hard to be hyped for new new announcements. I think I stand on that side of the boat, where it's like I feel like everything that I really want is pretty much here at this point. I don't. It'll take a lot for me to be really excited over a new character. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. After that, we got uh, Life is Strange. There's going to be a bunch of Life of Strange ports coming to Switch, which is exciting for a lot of people out there, I'm sure. Then we had Guardians of the Galaxy, which was announced earlier during E3 and uh, announced that it's coming to Switch. Then we had the first big announcement for Mike and I, which is Worms Rumble is coming to the Nintendo Switch. Yes, we were talking about this uh about 20 episodes ago almost with a friend of the show Jason Hotch and and who also really wanted a game like this to come to the Switch and there we go we did it yeah this is our fr- like second time this has happened since we started the show where we talk about something and then it comes to life and we're getting a Worms game on Switch and it's going to have online support I believe I think it's set up to 32 players at a time which is going to be a ton of fun it looks a lot of fun actually it, for some for us who don't know the Worms franchise that well uh, I was I was impressed with it regardless, and it's funny because this this podcast has really made me. Uh, 
understand games a lot more, I guess, and understand game franchises. Like, uh, two years ago, or a year ago, I would have never had any interest in Worms Rumble. But mm-hmm. now that we've done lots of research on it and the franchise and everything that's gone behind it, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's opened our mind to a lot of new franchises, and I hope that we can get a chance to play this one in person, multiplayer as well. I think it's going to be fun. And maybe we'll dig back and play some of the older Worms games, because if you go back and check out that episode, there's a lot of them. <laughs> Next up, we had a, our first anime game of the day, which was Astria Ascending. I don't think I'll be playing this game, but I will say it does look beautiful. Yeah, nice the art style. Yeah, the art style looks fantastic. I'm very excited for the fans of the JRPG series, or the JRPG genre, if you will. Next up, we had a very strange game here, which was Two Point Campus, which, Mike, you said looks like a budget Sims game, which I couldn't agree more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this was a a quick uh, flash in the pan one that they had during E3, and I don't know what this is. This looks like... The Sims mixed with Wallace and Gromit type looking people Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) (laughs) with a low budget. That was made by Sega? I think so. This was the most generic looking game of the bunch. There were 27 game announcements that I could count from today. And this was the most like forgettable of them all, I think. Yeah, 100%. Because it was wedged between, you know, Worms Rumble, Astria Chain, and then Super Monkey Ball 20th Anniversary Collection. Mike, this is something else that we've talked about a bunch on our show. Another one. We got another one. This is this this was a good E3 for GameCube lovers, honestly. Yes. Uh, because we did get a, some of these franchises that seemed to be dormant since the GameCube uh, coming back. And uh, I, everyone wanted this a couple of years ago when they made Banana Blitz HD. And right. People were like, no, make this, please. <laughs> so it's really exciting. I'm definitely going to pick this up. Uh, I would love to play one and two again. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. Super Monkey Ball Banana Mania uh, is coming out on uh, October 5th. That's another thing about this conference is that a lot of these games are 2021 games. 2021 games coming out quite soon. Yeah, yeah, we're already halfway through the year. So. Followed up by a game that should have come to Switch four to five years ago was Mario Party Superstars, which was a game folks will remember or might remember on 3DS, which was like a collection of a hundred of the best Mario Party minigames. This is basically that and a bunch of courses as well from the N64 era and I think some GameCube courses as well. Yeah. But uh, incredible collection of Mario Party games uh, coming to the Switch this October. I'm really excited about it. I love it. I will be picking it up, but it does make me a bit angry because one, this game was already made for the 3DS when it really shouldn't have been. It should have been on the Switch in 2017. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of it seems like it was unused DLC for Super Mario Party. That was definitely the vibe I got. I'm not sure about you, but... Definitely. I think that they mishandled the Mario Party uh, yeah. Switch game uh, incredibly poorly. Uh, the game came out to no DLC. Really, it came and went very quickly, and there hasn't been... The game itself, like we talked about on the Mario Party episode, was a really well-done game. They just yeah. kind of bundled the whole launch of it and, and and upkeep of it. Brandon was saying during this conference the entire time, like, oh, this has to be Mario Party DLC, and we're like, there's way too much content for this to be DLC. So this will be a full-price uh, what seventy nine ninety nine dollar game uh, in on October twenty ninth. So, and I know that it's upsetting that it was on three DS, but I didn't buy that game, so I don't feel ripped off. <laughs> Next up for me is the highlight of the show. We we got an announcement that came out of nowhere. Metroid Dread is coming out on October eighth, as well as a few amiibos. This is the first 
original 2D Metroid game in almost 20 years. I am so incredibly hyped for this game. Looks gorgeous. I thought it was going to be Metroid Prime 4 when the trailer started, but then they they hit us over the head with this game that was actually announced back in 2004, 2005. So this game has been in Nintendo's... Another GameCube. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I think it might have been... It was supposed to be a sequel to a, a Game Boy Advance game or something. But uh, yeah, uh, this game looks incredible. It, I when, when I saw Metroid 5 come on the screen... I was like, ah, are they just skipping Metroid Prime yeah, that, 4? They just gave that, up. That's what I, I think that might be true, though. Like, like after just seeing, we saw Metroid Metroid 5, which I was like, Metroid 5? When we were like, yeah, what, what's happened to Prime 4? And I guess this counts as Metroid 5. Uh, I, I, I guess this is, I, I forget the continuity and everything in the, the timeline, but I guess this is technically the fifth one. It seems like this is happening at the end of the timeline. I, which is very cool. I guess so. I just don't know why they're number. Oh, well, they did number them to start off with. So there's Metroid, Metroid Prime 2, Metroid Fusion, and then Metroid 4. What's Metroid? This would be Metroid 4. I don't know. It's I don't. It doesn't matter. Know. We'll figure it out. It doesn't matter. It looks <laughs> it looks amazing. It looks creepy. I love the villain or the the bad guy uh, named what is it? Uh, Ami A M M I, which I'm not quite sure what that stands for yet. There was a big deep dive into Metroid after the conference. I didn't get a chance to watch it all. But uh, October 8th, it's coming out, and that's going to be a day one buy for me because I'm controversially, I like the 2D Metroid games better than the 3D Metroid games. So I'm more excited about this than Metroid Prime 4 easily. There's also a great video on uh, Nintendo's uh, homepage, just a couple minutes, I think it's like seven minutes long, but it goes into the development history of Dread. So check that out. Really Sweet. cool. Yeah, definitely have to look into that. But moving on with the conference here, we got Just Dance 2022, unfortunately not coming to Wii. Damn. Damn. Then we move on to Cruise and Blast, which is a racing game that I'm actually interested in. It looks like a fun, zany, kind of wacky car racing game in the same vein as that road trip game that we talked about a few episodes ago. Then we got Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, a new Power Awakens set, which is a terrible name for a video game, but a Dragon Ball Z <laughs> game nonetheless that we talked about a few episodes ago. Again, another game that we didn't will into existence, but just something that we've talked about. And here it is. I, I, I like the trailer. The trailer itself was really cool because it was showing the sagas, like all the different sagas together. And that was neat to see. I was like, oh, Majin Buu. Cell, yeah. <laughs> Frieza, Majin Buu. Yeah, they're all there. And it looks pretty too. Like I, I've never had a problem with the Dragon Ball Z art style and they just seem to be getting better and better closer to the anime. So that'll be fun for the yep. Dragon Ball Z fans. Not sure if I'll pick it up, but I'm hoping maybe one of our friends do and I can just mooch it off them. Then we got Mario Golf, the game that's coming out in about a week or two, Mario Golf uh, Super Rush, which looks great. There wasn't really any new content here, I don't think. Then there was Monster Hunter Stories. We are not Monster Hunter fans, but it looks good, question mark. Yep. Yeah. It was followed very shortly after that by WarioWare, Get It Together, which is coming out on September 10th. Mike, a WarioWare game is coming out on Switch. I can't believe it. I'm stunned <laughs> that a WarioWare game is going to be on the Switch. Again, something that we were asking for in our, our Wario episode yep. because WarioWare and just Wario as a franchise is uh, so neglected. And I, I loved hearing his voice yeah. and him talk about his own games. Yes, uh, I love it. He's definitely in character. <laughs> the voice acting, I think Zaffer said in our in our, uh, in our our chat there, like he's just going to buy this game for the voice acting alone because it's going to be hilarious. Right. Then we had, this is actually the point of the conference where I was thinking, man, there's not really a lot of anime in this conference, which might be why <laughs> I'm enjoying it so much. But then we got hit with Shimagami Tensei 5, which 
I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that it's... Uh, that's, that's our friend of the show, Zaffer's like, favorite thing ever. He keeps asking for it. So we have a tendency? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like a, like it looks fun. I don't know. I'm not going to play it. It's a, an RPG uh, set in the Shimigami Tensei universe. So if you're a fan of that, go for it. And then we got Danganronpa 10-year anniversary, which is kind of like the game, Mike, that you and I both love, the 999 series. It's a bit like that. I think that this series started on Vita or PS3 a long time ago. Yeah, it's a visual novel type. Yeah, 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 looks interesting. So glad to see it coming to Switch. And then we got Fatal Frame, Maiden of the Black Water, which is the, a horror game, which is uh, pretty fun. It looks like a decent enough game. Uh, Fatal Frame is a, like kind of like a cult classic now amongst PlayStation yeah. 2 fans, I suppose. Something that's very dark and I didn't expect to come on Switch because why? But sure. Yeah. <laughs> this game sounded really familiar to me and it's actually a port. This game was on Wii U and a bunch of other consoles already. If it's the, if it's oh. the same game, I remember this game coming out, I think in Japan only on Wii U. I don't think it got a North American release, but if it is the game I'm thinking of, it rated pretty poorly actually it got like a oh, it's like a six out of ten roughly so take that with a grain of salt i mean reviews are reviews but still i don't know if this is a great game in the series but anyway sure. then we got a couple of uh of other games here we got some doom eternal dlc which is pretty neat uh then we also got tony hawk pro skater one and two remakes coming out to switch which is great those games are classics if you don't already own them highly recommend picking up that remake of one and two and then uh, there was a game by the name of Strange Brigade. I have no idea what was going on with this one. I know. <laughs> Someone write in and let us know what this game's all about. We didn't really pay attention. Then there was Mario Rabbids Sparks of Hope, which is the uh, sequel to Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, uh, a very early Switch game from back in 2017. This game is coming out next year. And I don't love the Rabbids series, but Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle was a really good Switch game and uh, excited to see it's getting a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I'm always excited for more developers uh, and publishers collaborating with Nintendo on stuff. So it's good to see uh, a game that was done well get a sequel. Yeah, specifically Ubisoft, who have uh, had a very good partnership with Nintendo since the Wii U. Mm -hmm. Can't forget Ubisoft and the Wii U generation. And then we had Advance Wars 1 and 2. It's called Reboot Camp uh, announced, which came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Another, uh, I, I, we, I mean, Advance Wars wasn't on the GameCube, but we talked about Advance Wars a lot in the Battalion Wars uh, episode. So mm -hmm. I, I was I was shocked at that uh, because I don't think anyone saw Advance Wars being released again. And that's a game that is tough to go back to now on the Game Boy Advance. So I, I'm mm -hmm. so glad that they are kind of remaking it for the Switch because it looks beautiful. Yes, it's got the art style, the, the, the Nintendo art style, I call it now, where it looks kind of like a Mario game mixed with like the Link's Awakening art style, very chibi, very bright and colorful. Mm -hmm. I've been meaning to play these games on Game Boy Advance for years now. And now that I know that it's coming to Switch, I'll probably just hold off on buying a Game Boy Advance copy and uh, pick this uh, collection up. I'm getting both games on December 3rd, and it's adding online mode as well. Yeah, that's so, sick. And then we had a Hyrule Warriors expansion pack. Uh, we we are big Zelda fans, but Hyrule Warriors is not even remotely close to anything I'm interested in. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's got. I'm glad that they kind of have the story mode and everything in Hyrule Warriors, and and apparently it is a quite a good game and quite a fun game. But uh, yeah, not just just something I never picked up. But uh, glad to see it's getting support in DLCs. Yeah. We did get a little bit more information on Skyward Sword, which is coming very soon, July 16th. This, in my opinion, is the worst 3D Zelda game, and I don't think that there's that much hype around this. Mike, you'll be picking it up, or so you've said that you will be picking it up. Probably not day uh, so, one, but we'll get it at no. some point. Sure, yeah. I mean, it looks okay, I suppose. We'll see. 
And then before we get into Breath of the Wild 2, there was also the Zelda handheld little Game & Watch device, which we got last year with the Mario 35th Anniversary Edition with Mario uh, Super Mario Bros. 1. This uh, little handheld comes with uh, packed in Zelda 1 and 2, Link's Awakening, as well as a Zelda Game & Watch game. Yeah, looks cool. Yeah, looks cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice little stocking stuffer there for uh, for any Zelda fan in the family. I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. And then finally, we got the the granddaddy of trailers for this conference, which was Breath of the Wild 2 coming in 2022 with a trailer. Yeah, the trailer looked amazing. I love the fact that there, you know, you kind of have the ability to f- to fly. It looks like ish, and there's a lot of yeah. that vertical combat, which uh, is something that I often neglected in zelda but when they have it it's very very well done usually so i'm i'm pretty excited for that and i'm just a little disappointed that we're not getting it for christmas 2021 yeah i imagine we'll probably get it late 2022 yeah but uh that's fine it seems like with all of these games announced today we've got a lot to do until then i was a little bit concerned when they started the the breath of the wild 2 trailer because it was starting to look a little bit like skyward sword (laughs) with going up into the sky and i was like oh no (laughs) i kind of had in mind breath of the wild 2 would be a little bit more underwater i thought that would be really neat because we've had uh with we've had with wind waker a game on the water and zelda games have always been around water in some case but there's very little games or very little of the games underwater and i know that we hate underwater levels (laughs) but i would have loved to have seen something where link does a little bit more underwater exploration but Breath of the Wild 2 looks beautiful, looks the same engine as Breath of the Wild 1, so all of those assets are already there, so maybe the development will be a bit faster than I'm predicting. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, so that pretty much sums up the entire conference. There was a big one in 40 minutes. We got 27 new game announcements. I checked off about 10 of these games that I'm excited for, at least, and interested in playing. That's pretty good. I was was a big fan of this overall. I think they did a great job. Mm-hmm. Mike, of the games that we talked about today, uh, which one, or do you have a few, which uh, ones are you most excited for? Definitely most excited, obviously, for Zelda, because that's, you know, Breath of the Wild 2, but that'll be a while ways away. But I'm probably most excited to pick up who maybe WarioWare, uh, wow. or, okay. or maybe maybe the new Mario Party, Metroid Dread. They're all, it's all close. It's all a tie. <laughs> going to pick these all up together in October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, October's going to be a busy month for us, no doubt. For me, I'm most excited for Metroid Dread. Yes. I cannot wait. I played to death. I love the Metroid 2D games. Uh, which of the games were you most surprised by? Were there any games that just came out of left field for you that you were just completely blindsided by? For me, it's got to be Advance Wars. Oh, same here. Advance yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah. Advan- that just, I mean, other than Metroid, uh, which was one of the weirdest announcements I've ever seen because I no one expected that game to come out, but we all expected a Metroid presentation. Mm-hmm. Sure. So to see Advance Wars also, that was just completely out of left field. Yeah, everybody, every Game Boy Advance uh, lover out there thought that that franchise is long dormant and dead. But uh, yeah, so we got a ton of stuff here. Last question before we move on to the show. Was there anything missing from the conference that you would have liked to have seen? Uh, I would have liked to see Mario Kart again, because that just seems to be, that's something that really seems neglected, mm-hmm. uh, that that Mario yep. Kart 8, at least, or the, the, the mainline franchise. Who knows what's happening with that? The fact that we haven't gotten any announcements or anything about a new Mario Kart yeah. since Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is somewhat concerning, but yeah. we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, I'm worried about Mario Kart 9 as well, or whatever they end up calling it. Uh, there was also, you know, th- the other Nintendo franchises that we haven't heard from in a while, specifically Star Fox and Donkey Kong. We haven't heard Donkey from. Kong was a bit surprising that I didn't hear anything, because there seems yeah. to be a lot of rumors out there mm. that 
that there is going to be a new Donkey Kong, so... Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, we've only had the one remake on the console so far. Also, it's been a long time since we've had a mainline Mario game. Uh, Mario Odyssey was 2017. Since then, we've had a few remakes and remasters come out, but there hasn't been like a new 2D or a new 3D Mario anything really announced in almost four years. So that that's a little strange to me. Also, just quickly, uh, we're missing... I thought that there'd be something Resident Evil here uh, in some at some point i thought maybe not resident evil 8 but i thought resident evil 7 was a possibility to be mm-hmm. ported to switch which a little disappointing but we got maiden of the black water i suppose which is good and also zero sports games here which i think that those will be in the other press conferences like ea they'll probably announce a switch game there uh, but mainline sports games seem to be away from nintendo directs which i suppose is a good thing that's that, fine <laughs> yeah we're, we're fine with that but yeah. those are the things that i noticed which were missing from the conference here Okay, cool. Yeah, great coverage here, Mike. So now I think it's time to move on to the show. But before we do that, it's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into the show, you can do so on whatever podcast service you listen to or social media. You can message us on Instagram. We will read your review on the show, positive or negative. Just like Mike, do you want me to read the review today? Yeah, go ahead. All right, cool. We got a review here from Ben the Whale. Ben gives us a five out of five stars. And Ben says, funny, nostalgic, and thoughtful. What nice young men, indeed. That's my line. (laughs) I thoroughly enjoy the vibe and content of these guys. I grew up on GameCube, so it's so fun to connect and reminisce with the memories that Mike and Neil, as well as their guests, share, and delightfully surprising to hear others remember specific moments in these games that I cherish as well. It's also fun to learn more in-depth details about the games I never heard of before. Overall, it's a real quality experience that can get surprisingly emotional and heartfelt while being equally balanced with casual humor and banter that only two lifelong friends could have. It feels like these two are creating the ultimate GameCube scrapbook that we all get to enjoy together. Thank you all for the work you put into this. Oh, that's really nice. Thank you, Ben. That's, uh, I, I like, I love that line, the ultimate GameCube scrapbook. That's, uh, that is, that is a perfect explanation of what this show is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, big fan of scrapbooking. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, I just want to know, Ben, what, what specifically do you mean emotional? Like, do we get really emo, like in a, like soppy, sappy way or like <laughs> maybe emotional in like an angry way? We're like, oh God, there's never going to be any more GameCube games coming out. There's never going <laughs> to be another Mark Davis Bass Challenge. <laughs> No. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but yeah. Thank you for that that heartfelt and emotional um, review. That was amazing. That uh, this is why we do it for reviews like that for sure. Absolutely, Ben. Thank you so much for writing in and making our day. But ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode fifty four of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all five hundred and fifty five North American GameCube games one by one, sometimes twelve by twelve. So far, we have covered two hundred and seventy games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool dot com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. If you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. Every dollar helps us grow the show, and supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits and the option to submit an opening topic. If you're looking for a free way to support the show, you can leave us a rating or review and then follow us on Instagram. We are at The GameCube Pod. Last week, we covered games that Neil really wants to play. 
Other than freaky flyers, he'll probably pass on most of them, though. <laughs> this week, we're celebrating 25 years of Harvest Moon games by covering the three GameCube games, and we are joined later by video game journalist and Twitch streamer, Kate Gray, who is a big fan of the Harvest Moon series, and Mike and I are not, uh, we're, I mean, big fans of GameCube, but we don't know anything really about Harvest Moon, so we decided to uh, invite an expert onto the show. I have a very secondhand experience with Harvest Moon games, mostly. I know people who played them, I know people who played the spin-offs, but I never really experienced them that much, uh, other than just seeing the gameplay and thinking, hey, that looks like Animal Crossing. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, we're very excited to have uh, Kate on today to, to talk about it. Yeah, I'm the same as you, Mike. I, I mean, I know of Animal Crossing, and I know of spin-off games like Stardew Valley, and I always get this the Story of Seasons game confused with Harvest Moon for obvious reasons we're going to talk about later, why that's such a confusing mess of a, a game naming convention there. Um, but uh, yeah, without further ado, I think that the intro for this show is long enough. Uh, let's bring Kate on the show now. Sounds good. All right. So joining us today on the podcast is Kate Gray, and Kate is an award-winning games journalist. She has written for publications like Nintendo Life, Kotaku, Vice, The Guardian, and many more. She's originally from the UK, but we are ecstatic that she now calls Canada home, as do we. And Kate, before we get into things too much, we have a question we ask all our first-time guests, and that is, did you own a GameCube back in the day? I did own a GameCube, yes. I mean, technically, I shared it with my brother, but right. yes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and what color was that GameCube? It was the purple one, but I believe that it's called Indigo or something. Yes, Indigo Blue. <laughs> That's right. It's definitely purple. <laughs> and is there any color? Is there any special color for black? Because they also call it Spice Orange, Platinum Silver, and then is it just black? <laughs> <laughs> Could be just I don't know. Uh, maybe like Yoshi Gray or something. <laughs> yeah. And then the final question for that is, whoever bought the GameCube for you, did they have the foresight to also buy a memory card with it? I think so. It's one of those things where I definitely have like a collection of memory cards for, for all the consoles that I had back then. And uh, I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. So I'd probably just slot them all in and be like, is it this? I don't know. So yeah, we had one. It was a big adjustment for Nintendo fans because going from the NES, Super NES, and then N64, all those games saved automatically. Going to the GameCube randomly, they don't. And then back to the Wii and the Wii U and the Switch, they all save automatically Yay. again. So <laughs> just a little curveball for us for a couple of years there, but that's okay. That's okay. And what's really your experience, I guess, with the GameCube? You know, what are your fond memories? Uh, what were some of your favorite games that you played? Mm, good question. Uh, so one of the, the main things that I remember when I think of my GameCube, which my dad still owns, by the way. Sweet. We were very, um, he has it somewhere in his, in his house. I don't know where. I'll go and get it one day. We had a lot of portability stuff because uh, we managed to get uh, like all this. This makes me sound like a fancy rich kid. But, like, it was <laughs> me and my brother fought a lot on road trips and we had to drive to see my grandparents a lot. And uh, so we had a little portable screen. So like a tiny, tiny little TV. The The GameCube could plug into the, the like the cigarette lighter at the front of the car, which yes. seems yep. dangerous. But hey, <laughs> um, we also had a carrying case which is incredible. It was in like purple and gray. Wow. It's probably um, like a collector's item now, but uh, still have all of that. It's like got cables, games, loose discs in it now. But <laughs> wow. um, yeah, that, that's what I think of when I think of the GameCube is this like 
little bag that we carried it around in because we couldn't be apart from it for too long. It really is the the, the first portable console. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they called the Switch the the first real portable console. But I got to say, with that handle, yeah. on the GameCube, mm. exactly, it's basically <laughs> a handbag. <laughs> Man, I I thought that was the future at one point. It was like consoles in cars, and now I, I if I had a console in my car, I think I'd drive that car off a bridge like, I, like just just portable just portable consoles has been just fine like the game boy has come a long way now we have decent games on the switch and even phones can play games really well you do not need a like a ps2 hooked up to your car like what was that in fast and furious or something where they were playing something in the back seat of the car i, I yeah. forget now it's just like portable dvd players too right it's just like mm. that world is so lost almost antiquated you know, if, now yeah. if you show a kid that they'd be like what what is this i have my phone <laughs> yeah it's it's hilarious to look back on that now yeah but anyways we are here to talk about harvest moon and specifically the harvest moon games on the gamecube and neil and i personally we have never played these games on the gamecube uh we really weren't into i guess a lot of RPG games growing up. I played Animal Crossing to death, the GameCube version. So I have a mm-hmm. bit of experience with the sim kind of style of games. But Neil, I know you uh, were never really a big fan of life sims. Not life sims. No, I famously said in the Animal Crossing episode that I'm not a huge fan of games that basically make you feel like you have another job. Like when I come home from my job, I want to play a game that is action heavy or racing or even puzzles like we talked about on Tetris. But no, the life sim games never really appealed to me all that much. I'm very sorry to the listeners. <laughs> I did love like Roller Coaster Tycoon. Like the Tycoon games I loved. Like mm-hmm. Sim City, Roller Coaster Tycoon, Zoo Tycoon. All those games were fun. But anything to do with farming or, or you know, life sims, I could not get into. And so with that said, how did you get into Harvest Moon, Kate? I got into Harvest Moon the way I got into most games around that era, which is just that my parents bought it and I only had like five games at the time. You know, you know yep. how it was in the N64 era where you yeah. you were just like a slave to the whims of your parents. Um, sure. so, Sometimes games just appeared. Yeah. Like, that's how I got Animal Crossing. I have no idea to this day who gave me Animal Crossing. Yeah, but it exactly. appeared beside my GameCube. And you're just like, oh, okay, I guess I'll play this. Whereas now, yeah. if my parents like bought me a game, it would almost definitely be a game that I'm not interested in. Um, <laughs> And so we got um, A Wonderful Life, which is the first Harvest Moon game I played. It's not the first Harvest Moon game. There's more that are older, I guess. And me and my brother played it because we played everything that we had at that time. (laughs) Um, So that's, it's not a very exciting story, is it? Like I didn't read about it in a magazine or anything. These games are all super like pre-internet, so you didn't have like right now when we're recording this, it's E3. Like we're getting all of the announcements coming right to our phones. The second we wake up, we see that there's a new game announced, or that you know the Microsoft conference is happening today. It wasn't like that in the late '90s, early 2000s. You kind of just found a game under your Christmas tree, or you got a game for your birthday from your aunt who doesn't see you except for <laughs> at your birthday, and that's kind of how the nature of things went. But uh, no, Kate, you're right. This isn't the first Harvest Moon game. This is actually quite a ways into the Harvest Moon. Series. The series started in 1996 in Japan on the Super NES, and it eventually came to North America in 1997, so we got a few games there on Super NES and N64. Uh, those games review very well. And then the GameCube one that you got, uh, the Wonderful Life one, that one reviews very well uh, as well. So you actually lucked out there because there's a lot of Harvest Moon games out there. We're going to talk about them today, and a lot of them, not good. No. <laughs> so let's start off then with A Wonderful Life and Another Wonderful Life. Neil, do you want to read the uh, the little intro for those? 
Sure thing. So, Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life was released on March 16th, 2004. This game is developed by Marvelous Interactive, and it's published by Natsume in North America and Europe, and it's published by Marvelous Interactive in Japan. It's also on PlayStation 2, and more recently, PlayStation 3 and PS4. It prices around $35 today, and rates about an 8 out of 10. And then we had Harvest Moon, Another Wonderful Life, which was released on July 26, 2005. This game is also developed by Marvelous Interactive. It's published again by Natsume and Marvelous Interactive. This is a GameCube exclusive, and it prices around $70 today, so twice as expensive, and rates about an 8 out of 10. For fans who don't actually know what Harvest Moon is, since we didn't really explain what Harvest Moon is, think of it the best way to think of it would be like Animal Crossing mixed with more of a uh, RPG type game, uh, you know, and a bit of Sims as well within that. Would, would that be a good description, Kate? You know, I, I struggle to to find these games. I, <laughs> yeah. I've been sort of relying on, I think I called it the five Fs, and that's just because it sounds kind of fun to be like, you know, you know, you've got like four X games, which are like exploration, whatever. <laughs> this is for me, it's five Fs, and I'm going to have to remember what the five F's are fishing, farming, uh, foraging, <laughs> uh, fighting. That's only in some of them. Uh, and the, 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 the fifth one is the F word because you can oh. date people. <laughs> um, I've had people okay. suggest friendship instead. So yeah. we, can, we can go with that. So yeah, that, that's pretty much what all of these games have in common. I find. Yeah, that was that was the big thing for for me. I remember I remember Harvest Moon games uh, as a kid. Uh, someone I knew in university was also a big Harvest Moon and Rune Factory fan. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing it, it's like oh like uh, my first thought was Animal Crossing in terms of the aesthetic. You know, it does look a lot like it. You, there's a lot of farming aspects, but then I realized that there's this whole almost like dating sim, you know, yeah. mixed in with it, which I thought was really interesting and kind of gave it more of an RPG feel because there are a lot of NPCs in in the world. There's a lot of people to talk to. You can go to the bar uh, and drink some juice, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is what they call it in, in the North American localization localized. Uh, form, but yeah, I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny when I first saw it. <laughs> it's so hard to get all of those things right as well. Like those developers <laughs> have accidentally set themselves up for uh, a lot of failure. That's the sixth F is failure. Because um, <laughs> like you have to get, you have to have a really good fishing mini game. The farming mm-hmm. has to be really intense. The the relationship stuff has to be well written and interesting. You have to have a great range of characters that you can marry. Like all of this stuff you have to get right. It's like multiple games in one. So stressful. Yeah, from from an outsider's perspective, like myself, like I I was looking at the ratings for these games leading up to this weekend and you know, there's what 28 games I think in the series cool. right now and wow. they range so heavily from 8 out of 10 with uh, a wonderful life to as low as like 5 out of 10 for some of the newer games. We know that from your article you rated the newest Switch game. Did you give it a 3 out of 10? Is oh that Oh god, it was very low. I had a discussion with my editors where I was like, "How low can I reasonably go?" <laughs> this like it works. We have a description on the website where it's like here's what all the meanings are and it's something like a two is this game doesn't work so i couldn't give okay. it anything lower than a three i think 
Um, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'd like to, now that you said that, I'd like to just take a, a moment and uh, talk about some of the stuff you said in that in that review, because I oh, was God. laughing while I was reading it. <laughs> okay. So you did, yeah, you gave it a 3 out of 10. That game is terrible. We're going to talk about it later on when we talk about the future of Harvest Moon. But uh, some of the quotes you have here is, uh, lifeless, often nameless NPCs with little to do uh, or say, uh, except request five turnips. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, long, boring corridors between places feels like cruel and unnecessary padding the Mm. fast travel sucks graphical and audio (laughs) glitches are extremely common and even more so in docked mode and uh so many cut corners it's basically a circle (laughs) (laughs) which is which is a great line that i'm definitely going to use from for other bad games that we talk about on this podcast (laughs) wow that is that is amazingly written i love that (laughs) thank you i hate writing negative reviews because I can just imagine someone like sitting at their computer, like having put their life's work into something and right. and reading me being like, this game sucks. But sometimes you can just tell that the developers know and that they had to rush it through for like management reasons. And I definitely think this, right. this was that. And we have that problem a lot too. Like even on this podcast, we have gone through basically half the GameCube library at this point and... As I'm sure you know, there are a lot of games on here that are really bad. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them had to be pushed out and had to just be, you know, almost uh, released unfinished. Uh, one of them, our favorite being uh, the Monsters Inc. Scream Arena. <laughs> yeah, we covered that really early on in our show. And it's it just was a like... dodgeball sim. It's a yeah. party game, but all the games are dodgeball. And what happened, we assume, is that the developers ran out of time and money. They had to get this game out. And there's no patches back in this day, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> So you just release these these cheap movie tie-ins and you move on. There's a lot of stuff like that. So we, we don't love bashing games, but sometimes you just got to. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, back to A Wonderful Life. Uh, what what makes this game one of the best, if not the best, in the Harvest Moon series for you? I think there's always going to be the element of, well, it's the first one I played. Um, sure. But I think that that would be not doing it justice. I think it is a very distilled version of the original intent for the series, which is that it's supposed to be this very rural, very pastoral very sedate sort of simulation game before the concept of simulation really existed. It's yeah. it's a game yeah. that isn't trying to stick to a genre because it invented the genre and mm-hmm. it's just, I think it's the, the first 3D one. Am I correct? Well, the ones on, the ones on PS1 were 3D-ish yeah. and the one on N64 was pretty close. They're like 2.5D. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. But this was the first full-fledged one. Yes. Yeah. That didn't mean anything to me back then. I didn't <laughs> really notice. I was just like, "Oh, cool! I can walk around in a circle." <laughs> so that's not like a, a huge reason why I think it's incredible. But um, I don't know. Like a game that comes out these days, you know, when it's very brown, and you're like, "Ugh, this game. It's just brown." You know, like a like a Call of Duty or something. Um, and it's kind of visually indistinct because of that. But for some reason, in a Harvest Moon game, that works because it feels real. It's not being boring by being brown. It's being realistic and and kind of that leans into the sort of I'm in the middle of nowhere. And there's, there's very much a small town Japanese village feeling to it as well. I think in in later versions of the game they've sort of leaned a little more on the well this isn't what most towns look like in the world so we should probably make them look a bit more european but this 
didn't have that. It's very Japanese. Like you've got sort of like old people living on a tiny hill and kind of telling everyone to piss off. (laughs) Maybe that exists in other villages, but it felt very new to me. It's like a a small town feel. And I like what you said, how back back in the early 2000s, there was really nothing quite like this game other than perhaps Animal Crossing. Uh, Every other game, you know, from this generation was starting to become that dark Call of Duty. We talk about Medal of Honor, Grand Theft Auto Mm -hmm. is coming out. But now fast forward almost 20 years or more than 20 years now since this franchise came out it seems like that almost every other game that comes out looks like harvest moon or is a harvest moon inspired game because there are so many farming simulator farming simulation games in the indie space especially like stardew valley was huge and that's where i first heard about harvest moon was when like honestly i didn't really know much about harvest moon until stardew valley came out because that game was everybody was talking about that game on steam and then it came to consoles and and it's sold like 10 million copies made by yep. one person. It's like just <laughs> insanely popular based on this random franchise that has a huge history. And, and now it, it can't even seem to stand out amongst its competitors. Like everything that's come out since is now better than what inspired them. Yeah, it's been like, I'm, this is my like chip on my shoulder thing. You know, um, I've turned into that nerd that like people get into Dungeons and Dragons or Warhammer. And I'm like, well, actually... You know, I was into it in the 90s and I've become that person about Harvest Moon because people go, did you know Stardew Valley is based on this? I'm like, yes, I did. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's another thing with Animal Crossing. Like Animal Crossing came out after Harvest Moon did something I didn't know. I honestly, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, thought that Harvest Moon came out because of Animal Crossing. So doing research this week. For this episode, I was like, wow, that's, you know, I I feel bad. <laughs> I got to give Harvest Moon a lot of credit because, yeah, they did create really this farming sim world that hadn't existed before. And yeah. you mentioned the small town feel, which obviously Stardew Valley does really well. They also incorporate, or Harvest Moon also incorporates almost like a a, a religious uh, over uh, undertones in the game, which is kind of unique. And specifically for like the Shinto uh, religion, which is mm. the Japanese uh, main religion, uh, where they, they often, you know, reference the harvest god and the business god. I, I thought that was really interesting. And just all, all the dialogue was very, very different than I'd ever seen before. And even like Animal Crossing, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to it, but Animal Crossing does have very, you know, unique and kind of quirky dialogue, but that is because it's so, you know, it, it's so localized and they have massive, massive localization teams that work on uh, each Animal Crossing, where this one did feel more of a just like translation from Japanese mm-hmm. to English, which I thought gave it a very different and much more Japanese feel to it than Animal Crossing could have. Yeah, I think it's a shame that they've sort of moved away from it being very clearly Japanese. In, yeah. In yeah. more recent games, it's it's sort of generic feeling, um, which is not to say like uh, Trio of Towns was maybe the last game before the most recent story of seasons i'm sorry i'm talking about story of seasons we haven't even explained that yet (laughs) yeah we'll go um, into that soon (laughs) trio of towns is a game that is so japanese but only in one specific town because there's three towns right one of them's western one of them's japanese and i forget what the third one is it's probably a beach but the second town is my favorite because it it is very much like it's there's like a Shinto shrine and you can like yes, marry yeah. the god that's in it. I guess. Yes, that's right. I read about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so weird. Again, that's that's so unique, right? I yeah. I can't think of any game 
out there that's released in North America or in Europe that that has that in the game. So I, yeah. again, gotta give gotta give mad credit to to Harvest Moon for for making a very unique game. What one of one of the things about the series that I found kind of strange or at least different from like Animal Crossing and whatnot is that there's no like main character or main I guess protagonist that like floats through the series. Like when you when you talk about Animal Crossing, especially in the Nintendo community, you hear everyone talking about Villager and Isabel and Tom Nook. Like it's almost a meme at this point. Like the characters in the games. I guess in Harvest Moon games, do they? They're all different characters. Like the games don't really carry forward to each one, right? Like they're all kind of their own story. So I guess it would be it would just be kind of neat if they had some sort of a like a constant character that was in yeah. all of them. That that there, way they kind is, of connect a little more. They have recurring characters, and it's okay. sort of messy. People have tried to untangle the law. Um, uh. <laughs> it's it's not going to be like you know a Dark Souls where it's like oh is this the same mm. guy? It's more like <laughs> this person has the same name. Um, like there's a character called Ellen who is a young girl in one and an old lady in another, and people are like oh is this the same Ellen? Um, mm. There's the you know the the Harvest Moon character who's like he's brown haired, he's got like overalls and a hat. Um, sometimes okay. he has a name and sometimes it's the same one or it's his son, but like none of that matters. Like right. you don't have to know <laughs> any of that. This is just me knowing too much. Yeah. <laughs> you, have to, you have to really know the lore. Like I started up one of one of the Switch games that, that that's out there. I started it up and it's like, what's your name? And I we talk about when we play Zelda games, you know, do you name yourself Link or do you call yourself yeah. Neil? And <laughs> I was like, is there a character name I should know about? And I just named him Neil, but like it, it's totally, it's not like there's a link of Anna, of of Harvest Moon that I should know about. Right? Well, there's Mark in A Wonderful there's Life. I, I believe he's mm. the the main character. Yeah. And who's the female character in Another Wonderful Life? You know, I actually don't know what her name is. Um, I have the page open in case I need to like <laughs> reference anything, but um, I don't know. I have a bunch of notes here, and it always—it it was always just like the main feature was you can play as a girl, not the name of the character. It's just yeah. being able to play as a girl was the selling point. And and so I, I do want to talk about this briefly, just the fact that why why wouldn't they have just made this in a wonderful life? You know, was because they did end up doing this later on with magical uh, magical melody, but they mm. didn't include the ability to to play as a a male or female in Wonderful Life. You know, why do you think that was? Why do you think they had to release another game a year later that was basically the same game? You know, Harvest Moon has always been really weird about gender for no reason. Like, right. <laughs> you ju- I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I will. You <laughs> just have to, like, toggle a couple of things. It's yeah. Yeah. obviously not that simple, but it's not much more difficult than that if you do it from the beginning it's not worth making an entire new game no but they've always done that they've always kind of like pokemon um they've released like they usually call it like the cute version or something which is like oh but if you want to play as a woman you have to buy the cute version and it's like great thank you i mean most of their audience is women I know. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the whole the whole kind of sim, like we talked about the Sims a few a bunch of episodes ago. And now. Animal Crossing on that episode too, with with how it was very yeah. tailored to females. Uh, it yep. it is, and the, it's funny because they did this in the two thousand, the PlayStation version of Harvest Moon, and the, in Japan, I think it was a Japan only release actually in two thousand. It was called Bokujo Mono Gatari, mm-hmm. and that translates to Harvest Moon for Girl. 
<laughs> which is like that that was the title of the game that was put on shelves and it harvest eventually moon came to harvest moon for girl <laughs> and it was uh, later on ported to psp in north america in 2007 but it is strange because i think kate you're right like the, it can't be that hard i mean it wasn't really a thing in video games back then yet to be able to pick between boy or girl i mean like pokemon mm-hmm. for example that might have been around this time but yeah i crazy that that they had to release two games for for that and it is way more it is way harder to find another wonderful life it's twice as expensive this one's a gamecube exclusive uh so yeah really hard to find and yeah that didn't ruin your experience then when you were a kid playing it as a male farmer like looking for a female wife and then playing like that didn't ruin it like you didn't feel like you were missing out or did you like as an honest opinion um i don't think i did because i shared the game with my brother and we played it together like well, it was going to have to be one of our genders, I guess. So it right. didn't really occur to me at the time. And I like, guess, yeah. I had some input into which wife we were going to have. We went with <laughs> okay. Celia, who's the easiest one to woo. And so it just kind of felt like any other game. Like it didn't really factor into it. And then when they come out with, well, now you can play as a girl. I'm like, oh, okay. So... <laughs> That wasn't actually my experience. I was just borrowing that. And I should play this other game instead. Like, I, I don't mm. like when that happens, when I feel like I'm being directly marketed to with girl stuff. You know? Yeah, literally calling the game for girl. Like, it's uh, a, little, yeah. a little blatant. Yeah. I don't know if you also had those, like, scholastic book fairs and you'd get the we little did. booklet. Oh, yeah. And I would always skip straight to the video game section and it was just full of that. It would be, like, dogs and cats and babies and... I got all of them. I mean, I didn't get the Mary, Kate, stuff, and Ashley. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the- I played a Sabrina the Teenage Witch video game, which was really good. And then they, they sort of turned up the girl knob to like 2000 and all the games started being terrible. Like they used to be good. And then they mm. got like pink and creepy. Yeah, okay. yeah. It seems, uh, it seems, mar- especially video game marketers more than anything are very out of touch when it comes to uh, to that, and were and still are, to be honest. But, anyways, we can talk about that for a long time, <laughs> and we can talk about that in another episode. But let's uh, let's move on now to Magical Melody. You want to read that, Neil? Sure. So, Harvest Moon: Magical Melody was released on March twenty eighth, two thousand six. Uh, it was developed by Marvelous Interactive and published by Natsume in North America, Marvelous Interactive in Japan, and then in Europe, it was published by Rising Star Games, and in Australia, it was published by Nintendo of Australia. That's confusing. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. also on the Wii, and it prices around fifty dollars today. Rates another eight out of ten. And what is your experience with this game, Kate? Did you play this game back in the day? I did not. Uh, I actually bought it a couple of years ago, though, so I do own it. Okay. I've never played it because my GameCube is in England. So. <laughs> <laughs> I am a sucker for like if I go into it like a charity shop or like a yard sale or anything. If they have a GameCube game, it does not matter what game it is. I will buy it because it's normally like you know five ten dollars, and I'm like that's right. probably a steal, and I'll just grab it. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> and one neat thing about this game is that they finally figured out you can pick between a boy or a girl right when you yeah. right when you start the game. You don't have to buy another copy. However, that part of the game was not in the European version, so I'm interested to know if if you picked up you picked up a European version of the game or. That's a good question. I mean, I think I bought it in Canada. Okay. So okay. it's probably not the European version. Yeah, probably I not. I didn't okay. know yeah. that. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. 
it's a very late GameCube game also, like uh, mm-hmm. 2006. And yeah, the fact that it did end up going on the Wii, which in uh, and it, yeah, it was just a Wii game in the PAL regions. Yeah. And Neil, you mentioned the publishers. Just want yeah. to talk about that real quick. So we got Marvelous, which is the original publisher, and they're the ones who make the Story of Seasons games, and right. they did it in Japan. Natsume, which, of course, we know about Natsume. Uh, we just talked about Natsume, actually, on the Hunting and Fishing Games episode a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. <laughs> and then Rising Star in the EU. I've never heard of them before. Uh, and then no. Nintendo actually ended up publishing this game, which I thought was very interesting. That n- mm-hmm. Nintendo published a game that would definitely be a, an Animal Crossing competitor on, on the GameCube at this time. I thought that was that was super interesting. That is crazy. I really just want to talk now about the, the whole split between Natsume and, like, there's a whole naming. We, we've talked a little bit. It kind of crosses over where you get confused about Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons, uh, which is another franchise. Is it separate from Harvest Moon, Story of Seasons, or is it, like... A yeah, Kate, Kate, take us take us through the schism of these uh, oh, companies because you can you can okay. talk. <laughs> yeah, the naming convention of these games is so confusing from an outsider. And I did like we did some research this week, and I still can't get it straight because there's Natsume Co. and then there's Natsume Inc. and some own the rights to Harvest Moon, some don't. I don't know what's going on here. So please try to explain it to us. <laughs> so okay, so Harvest Moon, right? That's what it's called in English, and the rights. It was made by Marvelous, but the rights in the West are owned by Natsume, who were publishing it. Although right. evidently not everywhere, because Rising Star was who published it in the UK. Which is why I'm extra confused, because I'm like, who's Natsume? What? I thought it was Rising Star. <laughs> anyway, um, so in in Japanese, it is called Bokujo Monogatari, which, which literally means ranch story. And they still have the rights to that. Marvelous, who is also sometimes called X-Seed, still, right. I believe, has the rights to Bokujo. Uh, Monogatari. So Harvest Moon in the West, owned by Natsume. And when Marvelous was like, you know what, we're actually going to publish Harvest Moon ourselves. Um, We're not going to go through you anymore, Natsume. Sorry, go away. And Natsume was like, well, we have the rights to the name, so can we make our own? And I guess Marvelous was like, well, we can't say no. So sure. So in Japan, they're still calling them Bokujo Monogatari. But the translation is now story of seasons yes so the real in quotes harvest moon games that are made by marvelous are now going by the name story of seasons so people will say like don't buy the harvest moon games they're not real like they are real games but they're not real harvest moon (laughs) they're different and it's confusing and natsume is making those and they have been for a few years now whereas the real team which is marvelous have been making story of seasons uh and even more confusingly, um, Natsume seems to make sure to release them at the same time. Yes, I think I to that. like specifically confuse people into which one they should buy, which is kind of kind of shady in my opinion. <laughs> so that's that's sort of how it's. Is that ever? Does that cover everything? I think it does. <laughs> I think so. Twenty fourteen, I believe, was the yeah. year that they started branching off. So the the Natsume was making their own Harvest Moon games, and then uh, Marvelous making their uh, Story of Seasons. And Story of Seasons, right. I believe, that was a subtitle of one of the other Harvest Moon games, correct? And so they kind of just brought that forward. 
to the that new Harvest Moon games. Uh, so yes, that's that's. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> breakdown. I think that was a good explanation. <laughs> we could not have explained that any better on our own. We would have been cool. like uh, Natsume, and then there was Marvelous and XC yeah. Games, and anyway, like Harvest Moon. Now it seems like that's about right. 2014, 2015 is when the Harvest Moon games started to dip in quality or just plummeted in quality, and I guess that's when Story of Seasons took the place, and that makes sense why because it was they basically just took the title and moved it to another game franchise. Yeah, and Natsume has been trying to sort of like ride the wave of what whatever's popular at the time. So they made one yeah. that was sort of Minecraft themed, which I think was called The Lost Valley. I don't know. I haven't played most of them because they're terrible. But uh, yeah, they'll, <laughs> right. they'll be like, oh, the kids are into, I don't know, Fortnite. We'll make... We'll make a Harvest Battle Moon. Battle Royale. <laughs> like that. Yeah, where's my Harvest true. Moon Battle Royale? <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't happened. I would really enjoy that. Uh, but like, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they did. Jeez. A couple of things to talk about for Magical Melody to go back to that. Adam, who is the male protagonist in Magical Melody, he is identical to Pete, who is the first and I guess most well-known protagonist of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are both separate characters. So that kind of goes back to what you were saying about the, the lore, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah. in Harvest Moon. Uh, it is also the first game to feature quote-unquote voice acting. The characters only make sounds uh, rather than talking, but they are there are actual sounds from the characters now where before they weren't. I thought that was kind of interesting. And the game itself, uh, yeah, like you said, Neil, it reviewed quite well. It's it's still quite a uh, a decent game. It looks very similar to A Wonderful Life. It's just clearly graphically enhanced since mm-hmm. this game came out three years later. And yeah, that's that's basically all I have to say about Magical Melody. Yeah, there's not too much I can think about about saying. I mean, like for me again, it's just another game where you're farming, fishing, and yeah. other Fs. It sounds like this one is fairly story heavy. I don't know if they all are, but I was just reading a bit about this one, and like, there's what is it now here? There's like a Harvest Goddess. Is that like a thing in most Harvest Moon games? Like, is there? Yes, because yeah. there is so, like a plot, and there is like a story that you're trying to get through to the end to have, I guess, quote unquote, the good ending, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't mention this when we were talking about A Wonderful Life. But uh, I believe Harvest Moon A Wonderful Life is the only Harvest Moon game that has an ending. Like, Mm, you can play for 30 years and then your character will die uh, because you've actually aged throughout that entire process. Most people don't play Harvest Moons for that long, Um, but some people do. and, And various games have rewards for people who really put in the work. Um, but there is always a harvest goddess or almost always sometimes she's young and she's called Desi and sometimes she's you know uh, an older well like a woman in her 20s I guess it's sort of nebulous you don't know how old anyone is Um, sometimes you can marry her sometimes she has a rival called the witch princess sometimes you can marry the witch princess Um, and usually there is something called harvest sprites which are like her servants um, and they're kind of like <laughs> little elves that go around and do magic and be slightly mischievous. And sometimes you have to rescue them and sometimes you have to befriend them. But th- that's pretty much always the plot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. So, and so there is like a little bit of a fantasy element to these games, which is another F, I suppose. Uh, Ooh, the- that's a good point. <laughs> There's seven Fs so far. Wow, we're gonna. By the time this episode's done, we'll have like twenty of them. That was actually Good. one of the first things I thought of was like fable esque. That's 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 one yeah. of the things I I will say for people if they know what fable is. I'm like, yeah, the the that 
you know, element of marrying people and the, the RPG element of Fable is very much alive in, in Harvest yeah. Moon. So. There's way less farting in Harvest Moon. But, <laughs> um, that would be another F, but it's not it's not in the game, unfortunately. Two Fs, actually. Fable and farting. There's two more <laughs> Fs. For the... yeah. Jeez. I do, I do want to go back to Wonderful Life because I have some stuff yeah. that I missed that I want to talk about. Uh, sure. There's a funny American pre-order. Uh, I'm not sure if you got caught this uh, as well, Neil. I but, did. Uh, yeah. Do you want to say it then? Yeah, the American pre-order bonus, if you bought this game before it came out, was a collectible dog plush if you ordered it from participating websites. Is that what you found? That's there, what I found. Yeah, you got a little dog, uh, which was, I thought, pretty cool. I want a, I want a dog plush for this. That's got to be worth a lot of money. I'm going to go on eBay right now and see what I can find. I'm looking it up. I want to know what this dog looks like. Dog, yeah, let's... I hope the typing isn't too loud. I'm not using <laughs> okay, my mechanical can... keyboard. <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah, pretty yep. cute. That's the dog. That's the dog from the game. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Not too expensive. And of course, I do want to talk about the Game Boy Advance uh, connectivity uh, between yes. these games. Uh, actually, Neil, you should probably talk about it because this this is your favorite thing to talk about Game Boy Advance connections. Th- this is my wheelhouse indeed. Kate, did you have the Game Boy Advance player or the Game Boy Advance link cable to link up to your GameCube? <laughs> um, I, I had a link cable. Um. That would must have been to link yourself to other Game Boys to play Pokemon, yeah, though, is that? Yeah, I think so. I, I mostly used it for stealing my younger brother's Pokemon because he didn't sure. really understand Classic. that they were mine if he sent them over. <laughs> um, but I don't. I never had the thing to connect to the GameCube, so like I didn't have the thing for Wind Waker, the Tingle Tuna, and all that kind of That's stuff. That's fine. So yeah, missed out. <laughs> most of most of the time, it, you're not missing out on anything. Yeah. But if if you do happen to have a Game Boy Advance, a Game Boy Advance player. Uh, GameCube and a copy of Harvest Moon Wonderful Life and a copy of Harvest Moon Friends of Mineral Town, you can get some exclusive content. It's a huge barrier to entry, but I mean, I guess <laughs> yeah. some I guess some people got a chance to do it. So initiating the connection uh, requires you going to the mountain path next to the vegetable farm where Celia lives in A Wonderful Life and throwing an offering into the Harvest Goddess Pond in Friends of Mineral Town. So you have to be playing both games at the same time, basically. Uh, and then non-playable characters, also known as NPCs, in the Forget-Me-Not Valley will begin to make comments about events in Mineral Town and vice versa. So the games kind of have like, like they're interconnecting with each other and it's all very neat. Uh, and then in A Wonderful Life, uh, Van will sell you an audio track player with 10 songs from the previous Harvest Moon game. And Ruby can also teach you new recipes. And huh. in in Mineral Town on Game Boy Advance, regularly using your GBA link cable will earn you stars. Once you earn 34 stars, you can unlock a cottage by the sea. Whoa, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like quite, not, a, not, quite a bit of content for, for yeah. that. A lot. A lot. Sometimes it's just like we look at some sports games and it's like you can get player cards, like playing cards, and that's <laughs> it. Or, or like in Crystal Chronicles, it's a controller, but it's bad. Yeah. I, I vaguely remember having... A Harvest Moon on maybe a Game Boy, maybe a DS, right. where like there's an entire place in town that you just can't go to unless you connect it to something else. And it's like, oh yeah, then new people can come in. And I'm like, well, that's a bit mean, isn't it? Like, don't <laughs> put it on screen so I can yeah. see what I'm missing out on. And it's Ugh. a huge, it's a huge barrier to people that don't have a Game Boy Advance, a Link Cable, and the other game, which is like. Canadian yeah. dollars, probably three hundred bucks back in the day, give or take. Exactly. Like it's it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot, and it doesn't like you can still play the game without it, but still, it was not the greatest experience. We don't actually have this cable. We just like to look up fun <laughs> facts about it because there's a lot of yeah. games that that have this, and yeah, created this barrier to entry, which I 
I really don't like about the GameCube, but uh, we yeah. can talk about that another day. <laughs> the last yeah. the last thing I do want to say about another uh, about a wonderful life is that this and another wonderful life are the first games to feature divorce uh, for oh. spouses. Yeah. So you can actually divorce, and that will result in I guess uh, a bad ending. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Wow. Now I think you can yeah. you can divorce in just about every video game, I think, now. Awesome. Well, Neil, would you like to read the back of the cases for all these three games? Sure. First game here we have is Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. The biggest harvest ever. Farming lasts a lifetime in Forget-Me-Not Valley, a coastal village where you cultivate friendships and raise a family among crops and livestock. Make important choices as you marry, start a family, grow produce, and guide your offspring through life's most challenging chapters. What sort of life will you live? A life of divorce. Then we have Harvest Moon, <laughs> another wonderful life. A lifelong adventure. Harvest Moon, Another Wonderful Life is a heartwarming tale that unfolds over a lifetime of richly detailed farming fun. Raising crops and tending animals is only part of the game. You'll also make important decisions that can eventually shape the fate of your future family. Can you cultivate a perfect life? I can't. I'm actually very impressed that they didn't just copy and paste the same back That's of the case. I was ready for it. I was ready <laughs> for you to just read the same back of the cases. <laughs> and then finally, we have Harvest Moon, Magical Melody. Start a farm, build a village. Flower Bud Village was just a blossom of a berg when you bought a plot of land there. Now, newcomers depend on the bounty from your farm for their livelihoods. It's up to you to create a farm, raise a family, and build a village in the most challenging harvest ever. I, I did want to say something to the fact that I can't, you can't buy A Wonderful Life on the Switch, which mm. I wanted to do. I wanted to, I was like, oh, I'll, I wonder if it's going to be on here, like uh, the remastered version, with, which they put out not too long ago. Mm. And you can only buy the special edition version on the PS4. You can't buy it on the Switch. What? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that's due to like the confusing Natsume stuff. Like they For managed sure. to republish... Well, actually, no. They managed to remake Friends of Mineral Town, but it's called Story of Seasons Friends of Mineral Town. Right. And uh, the newest right. Story of Seasons has characters from old Harvest Moon games, but they just call them, like, from a previous game. Like, they can't say Harvest Moon. So, right. like, I don't know what's going on there right now, <laughs> but it's very confusing for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think they really understand what's going on. Uh, but yeah. Kate, usually before we like close out the game portion of our episode, we like to recommend from the games we've talked about today and maybe from the series as a whole, uh, what the listeners can go check out. So of the three games that we covered today, is it safe to say that A Wonderful Life is probably the game to pick up on GameCube? Yeah, I mean, I think if you can get it, Another Wonderful Life is probably just as good, but with the added... Girlness. And it does right. have a couple Yay. of other things that they they, they kind of fixed up, you know, just small graphical things and edits. But so I think another Wonderful Life is probably the better version of the game because it was released a year later. Yeah, probably, but harder to get. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but harder if you want to spend eighty dollars on it. Yeah, which, uh, I don't yeah. know, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Then the second portion of this closing out for the games is the future of Harvest Moon games and. Of course, the question has to be asked, what do you think the future of these games is going to be? Obviously, it's been quite complicated recently, but uh, what do you see in the next few years and beyond? So I have been kind of disappointed with 
the the most recent Harvest Moon and the most recent Story of Seasons definitely mm. to to different amounts because the newest <laughs> Harvest Moon just sucks. Um, the newest yeah. Story of Seasons is like it has potential, but it's not quite there. But the difference is that Harvest Moon was put out, and then they were just kind of like, "Oh, you hate it? Well, deal with it." Um, and then Story of Seasons came out, and people were giving it, you know, like six out of ten, like me. And the the devs actually responded and have been putting out patches. One just came out actually in the West that's meant to fix quite a few of the big issues. Um, so like the fact that they're still paying attention, they're still working on it, gives me hope that the next one will be even better and maybe will go back to what the series used to be known for, which is not like, I don't really want it to be European. I, I liked the fact that it was... Japanese and I would like more variety in the marriage candidates again. Um, so I just I just want more of the old stuff, really. <laughs> right. Well, and and just to kind of follow up on that, so I I hate going back to Animal Crossing all the time, but it's natural that I'll be doing that for this. Uh, you know, with Animal Crossing's massive massive success in 2020 and beyond, really, do you think this has an effect on on these games? You know, because uh, Animal Crossing was never a game that millions and millions of people were buying and just it was a, in the collective pop culture. Now it seems to be. Do you think this will change for Story of Seasons? Do you think this will make them kind of see this and and uh, and change their ways, I guess you could say? I don't know. I mean, Stardew Valley should have done that. They, they right. should have been revitalized by the just gigantic success of this indie game that was taking their crown, they could have come back and been like, we'll take that back because look mm -hmm. what we've made. But instead they've just been sort of like faltering a little bit. And that's really bizarre to me because like it's there for the taking right now. There's a huge audience for it. And they just need to figure out what it is that people want. Why Stardew Valley existed, which is it came about because um, Concerned Ape, the guy who made it, was like, Harvest Moon hasn't been good since Friends of Mineral Town, which is a very long time ago. And so they should have listened to that as feedback and been like, oh, we should we should make more of the old stuff again. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think that this series is just kind of doomed for being like people or gamers only buy the one farming sim and then they stick with that? Or do you think that like people will go out and buy like, they'll buy Harvest Moon, they'll buy Story of Seasons, they'll buy Animal Crossing, they'll buy Stardew Valley. It just, it just feels like the amount of time that goes into each one uh, as a player is just such an investment that like, why would you go to another game? It's almost like why there's no competitor for Grand Theft Auto V right now. Like that game's on the top of the charts every month since it came out in 2013. Yet there's no real GTA competitor right now. Just such a time sink that like once people stick to their one game, like Mike played hundreds of hours of Animal Crossing, is Mike going to go out now and buy the new Story of Seasons game? Or is he just going to move on to something else? Um, well, he shouldn't. Because it's, <laughs> it's not the best one. But I, I've i bought pretty much every Story of Seasons game and most of the Harvest Moon games, except the new ones, which are terrible. Um, I People will buy them. Like, I don't know if you've seen, there's so many farming game Kickstarters and they're yes. all super successful because people just want more. They want more and they want a new gimmick. Like, I'd, I would be happy to just play a sort of Harvest Moon or a Stardew Valley like every couple of years but with a new gimmick like this time you're a mermaid I'd be like yeah that's great that's new yeah <laughs> I don't know it's it's stupid but it works yeah. this goes back this this actually goes in nicely to what I want to talk about as well is the you have this great article about 
uh, well, that's actually called Are There Too Many Harvest Moon Lakes on the Market? That's on Nintendo Life. Uh, and I, I love this article because, yes, I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as Neil said before you came on, he said, I think there's actually just too many Harvest Moons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's, there's no sense of innovation in the actual Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons like the real games like they'll sometimes like trio towns was cool because it was like there's three towns but it's still basically the same fare like they're they're not trying to innovate in the way that indie games are right now where it's like oh what if what if it's super queer friendly like Mm-hmm. doesn't really do that because um, that's a whole other topic is the same sex marriages and everything in, I know. <laughs> uh, in Harvest Moon uh, and yeah. how I think a lot I, I think when you for the ones that do have same sex marriages they just call them best friends I believe mm. <laughs> yeah in, in Japanese mostly like um, yes. in recent years best friend ceremony has been translated to marriage at least but uh, that means it's only really halfway there to some very basic like right. queer representation so yeah that yeah. bothers a lot of people me included yeah oh, and and that bothered me too when i first read it, i was like oh that's kind of really like are you gonna uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyways um yeah i think neil this is probably a good time to uh shut off the harvest moon switch here and <laughs> and just put on the video game journalism switch because kate we would love to have the opportunity to talk to you a little bit about just your experience with video game journalism over your career mm-hmm. okay yeah. do what what do you want me to talk about i, I have a couple <laughs> questions here so awesome. i just want to know like i i mean i've i grew up not grew up but like after high school i really started to get into listening to podcasts which is one of the things that inspired mike and i to start this podcast was we both love the medium and i mean i mainly just listened to ign because that was pretty much all there was back in 2011 2012 when yeah. you know you go on the iTunes store or whatever, or YouTube, and I could just find Podcast Beyond and Nintendo Voice Chat or whatever it was called. And so I guess just my main uh, question to you is, uh, what got you into video game journalism and writing? Like, who was your inspiration? Or did you grow up just reading a specific magazine like Nintendo Power? Um, yeah, so what got you into the whole video game writing? It was almost accidental. Like, that, that makes it sound like, oops, I didn't mean to. I very much did mean to, but I sort of bumbled my way into it. Uh, I'd always wanted to be a writer, um, except for a brief period where I wanted to be a marine biologist, but I was like five. So <laughs> that's the mermaid part. Yeah. That you're, that's why you're hoping <laughs> know, for mermaids in Harvest Moon. <laughs> I do really like the sea, but I don't mm. really enjoy biology. So. Sure. <laughs> it's a big part of being a marine biologist is the biology I part. <laughs> I just want to be friends with seals and stingrays, but hey, me too. Uh, apparently me too. you have to be a scientist. Anyway, so I wanted to be a writer, but... Writer is sort of like, well, that could be a number of things. You could be an author, you could be a journalist, you could, I don't know, do copywriting. So I was like, ah, I'll figure it out later. And I went to university. I studied Latin and ancient Greek, which wasn't much help in finding a job, um, as you can probably imagine. (laughs) But it was fun, sort of. But while I was at university, I joined the newspaper there, which was called Expose. Um, it was a play on words because it was Exeter University, so it was like expose. Very clever. Um, love to write for a newspaper with a pun for a name. <laughs> like everybody actually kind of hated it. Um, wow. But I went to like the, the first meeting and it was like, oh, we've got all these different sections. You can write about books. You can write about films. You can write about video games. And I was just like, oh, my God, I can yeah. write about video games? Like, yeah really and then i met the editors 
Um, there was two. One of them, fun fact, is now the deputy editor for Rock, Paper, Shotgun, which mm. makes me feel cool, even though it's nothing to do with me. Um, and yeah, I got into writing for video games then. I actually applied to be the editor the next year, but I have massive anxiety, so I completely goofed up the interview. Um, and I forgot what my favorite game was on stage in front of everybody. And they were like, Jeez. we're not going to give it to this woman. She doesn't know what she's talking about. But what is your favorite um, what, game then? I was going to say. Now, now that you're on stage. <laughs> I've been asked about this enough times that I've come up with like a top five, but I don't know yes. how to order them. So it's either yeah. like Paper Mario Thousand Year Door or it's like Ghost Trick or one of the Ace Attorney games, probably number four, which is Apollo Justice. Those are like my three. That's your Desert Island favorites. games. That, those are the. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. But back then I was like, oh, I don't know, Ocarina of Time, probably, which <laughs> it's not even my favorite Zelda. So. <laughs> wow. I've never even yeah. heard of Ghost Trick. I'm going to have to check this out. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's cool. so good. It's on iOS. Everyone should play it. Okay. Um, anyway, so uh, the story ends, begins, I don't know, with me graduating university, going to work in a call center. It's just mm. terrible. Um, getting like, I was a temp and I got like, not fired because temps don't get fired, but like quietly asked to leave because they thought I was getting too distracted Ah, while doing phone calls, which I was to be fair, but, um, I was still doing the phone calls. Like it doesn't take much brain power to read a script. Anyway, that's, (laughs) that's a complete aside. Um, I've worked, I've worked in a call center too. So I a hundred percent agree with what you're saying. It's so easy to get sidetracked. Yeah, um, but then a friend of mine who I went to university with sent me a job posting for Official Nintendo Magazine and was like, this would suit you so well. And I was like, oh, no, don't be silly. But I applied um, and they asked to like send something that you've written. And I was like, oh, I, I don't really have anything that I that would fit this. So I, I wrote a completely new piece that was set in the future when smell-o-vision had been invented. <laughs> and I realized that this, it sounds like a 12-year-old doing a writing thing, but I was like, yeah, let's try it. And it was, you know, Mario doing actual plumbing uh, and oh. you smell everything. <laughs> and they were just like, oh, this is like 100% magazine style, even if it is a bit stupid. Um, so eventually like I went through the interviews and everything and I ended up getting the job over like I think 650 people they told wow. me wow wow which That's is amazing. insane to me that they were like you you're the one and I was like what? uh yeah sure about that <laughs> um the best thing wow. it was it was during Twitch Plays Pokemon <laughs> the interview and so they locked me in a room for an hour and were like write a news story and I was like well this is easy and I just wrote about <laughs> Twitch Plays Pokemon because like yeah. duh um, so yeah, that's, that's like how I got, that's a really long story. I'm sorry. No, no, th- thank you. <laughs> totally please. fine. I'm, I'm just looking at, I'm just looking at your Nintendo life page right now. And I mean, fast yeah. forward, it's been about what, five years since your first article almost exactly. Oh yeah. Because I, I wrote about O&M closing down on Nintendo oh, nice. life. So it's kind of full circle. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Uh, yeah. And like, since then you've had over 600 articles. I see that your average review score, which is neat is 6.5. So pretty are, low. That's good, though. We like that. We like when we... One of the things Neil and I hate more than anything is fake hype, fake excitement for stuff. We hate when people are giving nines and tens to things that are clearly broken games. Mm-hmm. And so we... That's yeah. another reason why we're like, we got to have her on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm me. So, <laughs> so how does it how does it work, though, like in the, in the review space? Like, do, 
in with Nintendo Life, like, are you given a list of games to review and they say review them, or is it like a first come first serve? Like the higher mm. the higher up reviewers <laughs> who have been there forever get the pick of Pokemon Snap that just came out, and then you get the indie games that you know just came out and nobody cares about or whatever. Like, how how does it work? Is it kind of just so? When I was freelance, because um, I've only been full-time at Nintendo Life since, like, December. Um, before that, I was doing narrative design for a, a video game studio. And before that, I was doing something else. I was at GameSpot and Xbox and all over the place. So, like, nice. um, okay. had a lot of jobs. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I was doing freelance, and they would just be like, can you review this? And it would be the, like, yes, I have time, or no, I don't have time, and that's pretty much it. Now that I'm full-time... Um, I still do the reviews freelance because I managed to wrangle that in my contract. So it's like cool. extra work on top of my work. Um, and the way it works is that they'll be like, hey, this game looks like it's in your wheelhouse. Usually it's a farming game or a cute indie. And I'm like, I'm either like, yeah, that sounds great. Or God, no, I don't have time <laughs> for an 80 hour visual novel right now. And then occasionally I'll be like, can I review this, please? Like, I think I did that for, there's a Lego game coming out in about a uh, week and a half. Um, that's not a secret, by the way. I haven't just leaked that. <laughs> it's very much in the public knowledge. Um, but I was like, can I review this? Because it looks really nice. And they were like, yes. And so sometimes they'll give me the reviews and sometimes I'll ask for them. In the past, like when I worked on magazines, it would be like, no, you've been assigned this review and you're going to do sure. it. And right. I would play the game during work hours, yeah. uh, which is fun, but it's kind of stressful because like mm. I can only play it during work hours because it's on the work console. <laughs> sure. Mm, uh, yeah. And I have to take screenshots as I go along and everything. And screenshots have never been easy on old consoles. So. Yes. Yeah. And I can imagine that that's where like the hobby ends and then the work begins is when you're given a game that you don't want to review and review it in a time frame that you don't want to play the game. Like that just sounds like it kind of yeah. sucks the fun out of playing games. Oh my God, bit. so much. I wish people really understood how much playing a game, like you get a game four days before it comes out and it's 50 hours long and it's not a fun experience. So no. like, even if it's like an incredible game, like th this will be like a Witcher or a, I don't know, Final Fantasy game, you know, it'll be a good game usually, but having to crunch it into four days of just solid play, that is not how people play video games. Like that's how I reviewed one of the Assassin's Creed, uh, Creed's, Assassin's Creed? I don't know. <laughs> they like flew a bunch of journalists to Paris, which sounds great, except we were inside for 10 hours a day playing this video game. Oh, it was not fun, but I did like the game. <laughs> when you're sleep deprived, it's kind of hard to give it a like a raving yeah. review at that point. I remember yeah. that that was like the case when I think it was Breath of the Wild came out in 2017, and some reviewers got it like on the Friday, and they had a weekend to play it. And that, like, I just think back, like that game took me like a hundred hours to beat just because I got sidetracked so much. I can't imagine reviewing an open world game in less yeah. than a week. Like that's I've, the problem. I've... You you find yourself getting sidetracked. Because that's how you want to play the game. And you're like, nope, I have to finish the story. And I, I wish that it was the thing with reviews that 
people would understand that you can get the sense of a game without finishing the story. So many games like Breath of the Wild, not really about the story at right. all. So yeah. like, I right. can't even tell you how the game ends. Why do I have to finish it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it almost it's almost like that the review that you're getting is not a clear representation of what the game is because you have to play the game for 200 hours to really get that experience. Whereas someone who just played the story of an open world game, like even something like Skyrim or Fallout, where you can just blaze through the campaign, but like you're not getting what the game is supposed to be. And so it's 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 like getting a different, you're reviewing a different game at that point. Exactly. And I, I try to explain that to people. Like, you know, I haven't finished the game, but I don't need to finish the game to tell you that it's good because it's not suddenly going to get really bad in the last four hours of the game. Right. It's like, you can trust me on this, okay? Yeah. <laughs> One of one of my slightly embarrassing stories from uh, my time doing university games journalism uh, was that I, I went to the Eurogamer Expo and it was in London and I went with like a few of the people from my university and I was I was playing a demo. I was at the Nintendo booth. It was like pre Wii U, so they were starting to show off some of the games just before it came out. So it was pretty fun time. There was like Nintendo Land and Zombie U. Remember those? Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Zombie U is actually a decent game. I've heard that. Yeah. It's just a bit weird. Like, why did you go with a zombie game for a launch game? Sure, okay, whatever. Um, And I was at the 3DS bit, and I was playing... um, It was a Professor Layton game called Miracle Mask, I believe. And I love Professor Layton, but I wasn't impressed by this because I was trying to impress a guy. (laughs) I was playing the game, and and I was like, this is terrible. Look at how terrible this is. (laughs) 6.5. Yeah, exactly. Uh, This film crew comes over to me, and they're like, oh, hey, we noticed that you're playing the game. Do you want to be on an advert for this game? And I was like, yes. Are you kidding? Um, The advert still exists. (laughs) I can send it to you after this. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, Please do. They used my my voice a lot because like I'm pretty confident on camera, like hence my career being on camera. And so they were like, oh, we'll just use most of your voice clips because I was I was just spouting lies. I was like, wow, this game is so bright and vivid and it's so colorful and beautiful. And like, I didn't agree with that. Um, I was very mean about it in the review I wrote afterwards. Um <laughs> So I'm I'm really sorry. Like, hey, level five. I actually you're my you're my favorite developers, and I'm sorry that I was mean about your game behind your back. <laughs> we love level five games. Hopefully they're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. I maybe the fact that there isn't a new fantasy life is because I did this. It's my punishment. <laughs> I, we had like a Nintendo booth kind of thing set up at a mall near our house for years, and they had this huge event for Paper Mario. Uh, color splash on wii u and i went to it and i was getting all the merch i was getting like all the coloring sheets and whatever i was talking to the people <laughs> at the game i was playing the demos and i'm like yeah day one day one and like i eventually i didn't buy it i played it eventually <laughs> like ah oh, that game sucks <laughs> but yeah it's just funny how that happens like i've got the paper mario pin on my desk still at home and Aww. stuff it's, it's just hilarious but yeah, looking forward to, or actually, what I mean looking forward to, I got to still play the one on Switch. I haven't picked that one up yet. It's pretty good. It's no Thousand Year Door, but it's pretty good. Yeah, okay. It's the closest they've, they've been since probably Super Paper yep. Mario. Yeah, that seems mm. right. That seems right. Mm. Okay, well, fair enough. Neil, do you have any uh, any other questions for Kate? Uh, I do, but this one is more just like a general question. Do your parents play video games? I've met a lot of people over the past few years who like 
their parents played games with them like especially mike his dad played games with him my parents yeah. my mom played my tetris dash. <laughs> yeah your dad played double dash with you my mom once played tetris while my brother was in the hospital with pneumonia and that's about the only gaming knowledge my parents have <laughs> My parents' knowledge about video games is interesting because obviously they want to try to like relate to me, sure. Um, but they wouldn't normally play video games. My dad still has all the old consoles, and technically the Nintendo 64 was his Christmas present, and me and my brother just sort of stole it. We were like, ha no. Um, <laughs> nice. We played, you know, Ocarina of Time with him and maybe some Mario Kart. Uh- maybe he really liked Perfect Dark, probably because of... Joanna Dark. <laughs> Let's be real. Nice looking lady. <laughs> yeah, she's she's not bad. Um, Banjo Kazooie, we played together, but mostly it was me and my brother. And then when we got the GameCube, that was pretty much ours, and the Xbox, that was ours. Uh, so my my dad doesn't really play games at all ever. Okay. Uh, my mum plays a lot of games on iPad. All the kind of like Candy cu- Candy Crush clones. That's hard sure. to say. Um, <laughs> she sort of plays a lot of like idle sort of games. But she does own a Switch. Wow. Nice. Since okay. my brother and I moved out, she's like, oh, I have all this money now that I don't have to spend on children. <laughs> and so she'll she'll just be like, I bought a bread machine. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so a Switch was just one of those things. You know, you've got disposable income. That's great. Just buy a Switch and play nothing but Ring Fit Adventure. I was going to say Ring Fit Adventure and Labo <laughs> is probably what she Yeah, hey, I have Ring Fit. I love yeah. Ring Fit. It's, it's great. a great game. It's great. Same. <laughs> yep. I wouldn't be surprised if she, like, she keeps being like, should I get another game? And I'm like, like, eh, you might like Zelda. You probably won't, though. Like, the, the exploration aspect of it, I think she'll enjoy. But, like, I don't think anybody who isn't into video games enjoys combat in video games. Yeah, they might like a game like Harvest Moon, though. I mean, that's there's no combat there. I guess I just, I think of the way I play Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon, and it's like having a guide open all the time, being like, oh, how do I get this one fish? And like that's not the way you have to play those games at all. But I'm just trying to imagine my mum like downloading a guide from online and printing it off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can't picture any of that. Like I, I come from a family where none of them played video games. Uh, they all aged out of it. Like once they hit college, they stopped playing N64. I get everything, which is awesome. Like every console trickles down to me. I'm, I hope I don't grow out of it. But it's just like it's just weird to me when I hear other people who have parents and uncles who played the games with them or still do it's it's just something that i'm completely separated from and i'm just wondering if it's something that maybe is not like a prerequisite but it like helps you get into the industry if your parents introduce it to you well they definitely like didn't mean to but like my partner's dad right just got a gaming pc so he can play microsoft fight simulator and civilization (laughs) and it's so weird to me because we'll go to his house and he'll be like look 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 i can fly to spain and i'm like what (laughs) <laughs> I can't even play Microsoft Flight Simulator. It's really hard. Yeah, it's a very niche thing, but it's 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 such a cool. I would I would love to get into flight sims, <laughs> and Neil as well. Neil loves the like flight sims, but it's it's something that's definitely out of reach for us. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Star Fox and and the and the flying levels of Diddy Kong Racing, but let let's not be too hasty about flight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, no, Kate, before we before we let you go, I just have one quick topic I want to go over. After looking at your Twitter page for a few minutes, I see that you're a fan of Ska. Is that correct? <laughs> um, I had a Ska phase. <laughs> oh, damn it. Um, I, guess, I guess it never really formally ended. Like, I, I okay. listen to a lot of the music that I listen to in my phases still. So I guess you could say I, I do enjoy Ska, yeah. A, a phase that doesn't end means that you still like it. <laughs> yes, okay, I, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, that's fine. That's totally fine. What's funny is that no one's ever pointed this out, and I'm going to point it out for the first time ever. Every single one of our Instagram posts has hashtag ska in it. Really? No one's noticed. No one's pointed it out because no, no one checks hashtag. No one checks hashtags and but but like we've we've hashtag ska on everything just as a joke. But I just want to ask you like, what is your favorite ska band and or ska album? They can be different, the band and the oh, album, no. if you want. Um, if the you thing have is, them. I was talking to my friends about ska the other day. As you, <laughs> you like it was ska. related. It was related to the. I wrote a thing about ska, and then I was like, hey guys, let's talk about ska. Um, <laughs> and I was naming all these bands, and I was like, is this ska? Because, like, mm. as a kid, or, like, a teenager, at least, like, I didn't like music because of the genre. I just liked like music. music. So, um, yeah. I listened to a lot of uh, Me First and the Gimme Gimmies, which is, like, nice. a pop-punk ska cover band. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, so, I don't know if they, they count. Um, there was also The Living End I got really into at one point. I don't even know who that is. Um, I think they're also pop-punk ska, so it's, like, ska light, at least. Um <laughs> I liked No Doubts, early sort of Scar-ish stuff. Tragic Kingdom, yep. Yeah. For sure. I don't know The Living End. I'm writing that down now, though. I'm going to check those guys They were the later. support act for, I think, when I went to see Less Than Jake. Sweet. Oh, very yeah. cool. So I just assumed they're Scar. Yeah, it makes sense. Probably. That's a good, that's <laughs> yeah. a good guess. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, Kate, to come on and talk about all things Harvest Moon and a little bit of ska thrown in there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are excited to have you back on for the Paper Mario episode, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a little ways off. So, Kate, uh, why don't you let the listeners out there know where they can find you? Uh, go ahead, plug your uh, Twitter, whatever, uh, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, whatever you do. Yeah, go, go for it. I'm pretty much how not to draw at everything. It's spelt like it sounds. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, you can find me there at how not to draw. Uh, my Twitch is Kate underscore Gray. Um, I couldn't get Kate Gray because I took it and then forgot the login. So Kate underscore Gray. Um, and I think that's everything. You can find me on Nintendo Life. It's nintendolife.com. Uh, I write there about the video games. That's it. Do you have an interesting story about how not to draw? Is there is there like uh, you know a story behind that username? Yeah, um, I do a lot of drawing. Um, I kind of fell out of it when I when I started having a career, but um, sure. <laughs> I've always like doodled stuff, and it's mostly goofy like puns and stuff like that. Um, so I had a blog for a while that was called How Not to Draw because I was like, if these drawings are bad, but it's called How Not to Draw, mm. no one can be mean to me because I'm. Mm. I'm saying that it's bad. Already. Great defense mechanism there. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Um, and then I like I started working for games and then I started getting a following and I was like, well, I can't change it now. And then I got verified. So I literally am not allowed to change it now. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. It's, easy, it's easy to say, easy to spell. So I think you're yeah. fine. It doesn't It doesn't have anything embarrassing in it for sure. Like yeah. you know, Bong yeah, Ripper 69 like... or something. <laughs> if people meet me in public, they're like, oh, yeah, how not to draw? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. That's my brand, I guess. Totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Right on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our show today. We really appreciate it. And we're really pumped to have you on. So thank you so much for taking the time today during E3 too. Like this must be a crazy time for you. (laughs) Well, I'm only covering Nintendo stuff. So it's slightly less crazy than it would normally be at least. But yeah, it's it's pretty busy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you get back to work. Uh, But thank you so much for coming on again. And we'll keep in touch. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Cool. All right, well, take care. Bye, Kate. Bye. What a nice young lady. 
What a nice young lady. Thank you again, Kate, for coming on. Uh, that was amazing to have her, and we were really blessed to, to have her on today to talk about Harvest Moon, something that you and I really don't know much about, and sure. uh, we like to have people on who do know their stuff sure. <laughs> uh, when talking about games like that, because or else you'll just be an hour and a half of us just saying nothing. Yeah, just talking absolute nonsense, kind of like they do in these Harvest Moon games where the characters don't have a specific language. They just kind of speak gibberish, and then they're translated by some good translator in whatever country the game comes out in. <laughs> yeah, that would be us. <laughs> 100%. But yeah, Kate, thank you if you're listening to this episode. Uh, thank you again so much for coming on. We've said that a billion times already, but anybody that takes time out of their day to uh, to be on our show is much appreciated by Mike and myself because we, we love each other. But, you know, sometimes we need to introduce some spice in, into the bed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyone who wants to talk about the GameCube for, for an hour is, you know, they're a friend in our bucks. They're, they're something, that's for sure. If you want to talk about the GameCube for an hour, we barely even really talked about the GameCube today. It was more just about how confusing Natsume is and <laughs> all the series that we talked about with Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons. But Mike, let, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 55 of the GameCube with School podcast. On episode 55, we're talking about our first Mario Sports entry uh, for the GameCube, and that is Mario Golf Toadstool Tour. And we are obviously doing that because the new Mario Golf for Switch is coming out next week that Neil and I are very excited about. I will be picking it up day one, and uh, I'll be talking about it, I guess, on the episode after Mario Golf. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but uh, yes, we uh, will be talking about that franchise and Mario Golf Toadstool Tour specifically. It's going to be a fun time. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Mario Golf. And I think I will pick it up at the same time as you, Mike, because it's been a while. I was thinking about this the other day while I was in the shower. Uh, you and I, it's been a while since we've had a game to talk about at the, that we've been playing at the same time. Probably yeah. about a year since The Last of Us. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because you picked up Animal Crossing. I didn't. I picked up Pokemon Snap. You didn't. There's been a few games here and there that have come and gone, and, and we we either didn't play them at the same time or we didn't pick them up at all. So it'll be fun to have a game that you and I can kind of talk to in private uh, at the same time again. I'm really looking forward to it. And I can't believe that it's been 55 episodes and Nintendo haven't put out a sports game yet. It's crazy. It's crazy. And a bit of connection between Meyer Golf and Last of Us there as well with the, the golf club, you know? Uh, oh, <laughs> spoiling The Last of Us 2 there. I didn't say anything. I just said there's a golf club involved. <laughs> Mario and a golf club is in Last of Us Part 2. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 54 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are The GameCube Was Cool. And then you can follow us on Instagram. We are at The GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Natsume, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. GameCube. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube.